So good to see all of you. When I came in here this morning, I could hear music because for the last nine, ten weeks, it's just been the band at the front. The music has been going directly to our live feed. So to sit out where you are, I couldn't hear anything. You see a person playing the keyboard and, and they're just doing this. So it's so nice to have people here. Back in September, some of you probably saw pictures floating around on Facebook, and it would have been of our elders and pastors shooting slingshots out onto a lake. But that was actually a second time that we got together last year for a retreat. And this is something that we like to do each year because it's a way for us to get away from the noise of life and have a quiet place where we can meet together. We play, we, excuse me, we, well, actually we do play some games, but we pray, we plan, and we get a sense of the direction that God wants us to go in as a church. And this year, we're actually heading off to an Airbnb here in HRM from March 8th to 10th. So if you would like to be praying for us during that time so that we can be focused on what God wants us to do. But from those seven sessions uh, last, excuse me, the two sessions last year came a seven-part sermon series that we're finishing up today. And this is on the Great Commission. And in this, we've been presenting our church's mission, vision, and values. And it's in a series entitled, From This Day Forward. And we use that title because God has been doing some good things already in the past, but we anticipate as we launch here again for hopefully the last time as a result of a COVID shutdown, we're expecting him to do even greater things. Mass crusade evangelism was the in thing for church growth in the 1900s. And sometimes people were forgotten about. There was no follow-up discipleship made after people made a decision. Then it became the era of the church being a place that would actually attract people to come, and it was all through the worship. And once again, less one-on-one discipleship. But we are part of a movement of churches that are actually trying to refocus on discipleship. Now, I can give you good examples, and I can give you bad examples of what to do. Here's a bad example. Two weeks ago, we had a small snowstorm on a Sunday, and then that following Monday, I decided to shovel the walkway between the church parking lot and the sidewalk. And as I was doing that, a bus pulled into the parking lot. It, was a non, it looked like an uncommissioned excessive bus. It was white, there were no markings on it, and the guy came in and he was backing up and he backed into our shed. I heard this big crunch. And I'm there with my big red parka on and I have a shovel in my hand and I'm walking toward him just to talk to him. I'm not going to stay here, pay for the damages. And I'm thinking maybe I can use this as an opportunity to invite him to church because my wife backed into our neighbor's car. Our neighbor left his car right behind our driveway And in talking to him about it, his daughter ended up coming to Vacation Bible School. So I figured I can do the same with this bus driver. But as soon as I walked toward him with my shovel, he just tore out of the parking lot. He was 
fishtailing. I don't know how he missed those pine trees out there. And I just took off running after him. That was my natural reaction. I ran between the house and the church, thinking he might come down the street this way, but he went up the street. And I ran after him, trying to read his license plate. And I couldn't. And I'm feeling a little annoyed at this point. But I came back, and then I thought, maybe I'll just take a drive up the street and see if he might be parked on one of the side streets. And sure enough, there was that bus on Chelton Woods Lane. So I, I just took my time. I looked. Yep, that's the, the bus. It's got the puncture mark right in the middle there at the back. And as I got out and started walking toward the bus, the engine starts and he tore off again, breaking the speed limit. And I tried to get my phone out and take a picture and I was too slow. So then I'm getting a little more upset. And then I decided I'll go back to the parking lot of the church, but I'll just take a scenic route. And I found him in another parking lot. And I pull in and he sees the red coat coming and he takes off again. And then the next time he parked in the parking lot right across the street and I decided I'm not chasing him anymore because I don't like the way I'm feeling if I did catch him. And also, I'm afraid he's going to run into someone else. Now, I had James, our associate pastor, look at our security cameras to see if we could see the license plate number, and he couldn't see that. And I thought James was also probably looking to see if he could see me running with the shovel after this guy. And then next Valentine's Day, there would be a card on Facebook or something like that. But I don't expect that this guy is going to come to church anytime soon. But over these seven weeks, we have been talking about the best way to disciple. And I began the first week by talking about the fact that it's one conversation at a time. And then James talked about what it means to evangelize and the fact that we have the right to share our faith. And then Roland of Orhai, one of our elders, was up next, and he talked about the fact that this isn't a Sunday morning thing. Our faith is something that we have to buy into every hour of every day. Of every day. And then I really like the title that James chose for my message on baptism, an end of the beginning. And we looked at the conversions in the book of Acts and saw how baptism is a God-commanded response of our faith, and it's kind of that last step that we take. Then Peter Boyer, the next week, led us through some scriptures where he showed that after we've been baptized, we need to be taught and trained and equipped in what it means to be a disciple. And then last week, James highlighted the fact that we are now to use the gifts that God has given us and we are to serve. We are to accept the challenge to take on ministry in the church. Now the book of Acts is actually the church history book of the New Testament. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the four gospels or they're books of biography because they tell about the life of Jesus. But the book of Acts, it talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of the church and the book is actually left open-ended because we're still writing church history until Jesus returns again. God is with us as we fulfill our God-given mission. 
Now, this doesn't mean that it's like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other groups who claim that there is another testament or that there is another revelation. It's not that. But we do say that God is writing an incredible history with us involved in it. We're in the age of the Holy Spirit and power and freedom. So let's look at how this whole package comes together, our mission, vision, and values. And we've been using Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So our mission is to know Jesus and make him known. Because Jesus gave his church the mission to make disciples who could make disciples. And by baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything he commanded. So everything we do is to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be committed and faithfully join the mission of Jesus. So in order to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to know him. We must be in relationship with him. He needs to know us. We need to know him. And we get to know him through reading his word. We get to know him through worship. We get to know through prayer. And we get to know him through our times that we spend together in life groups as well. Because Jesus will change us into people who faithfully join his mission to actually make disciples. And this is the vision that we see for our church. We see a church defined by who we are, Jesus' disciples. And our power is evident from God as we see lives transformed in biblical community. Our city is made better because we, his church, are impacting the world, starting with our own community. I love John chapter 15. I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the Father is glorified in the work of the Son, and he is also glorified in the fruit-bearing of his disciples. So we ask, what's that fruit that we're responsible for producing? Is it the number of people that we lead to Christ? Is it the amount of money that we give to the church and to those who are in need? Is it the attention we give to missions? Maybe it's the work that we do with youth as we guide them to grow up in this generation. Maybe it's the love and mercy that we show to senior citizens because they are growing weaker in physical strength and shorter in alertness. And I'm starting to experience that now. Or maybe it's the deepening of one's own spiritual consciousness and closeness to God. See, it's not any one of those alone, but it's all of these Together, they're all included as a part of our fruit in effective discipleship. 
So God's power is evident as we see lives transformed in biblical community. So 1 John 4, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So we are part of writing that history. And we must never forget the amazing power source that we are plugged into. And that is the Holy Spirit. My wife Pat and I have iPhones. And when we received the phones, they had a three-foot-long charging cord and then a charger to plug into the wall. And, well, of course, that wasn't sufficient. So I started looking online and found these inexpensive 10-foot-long cords. And it worked well for a while. And then after a while, I would plug my charger in and nothing would happen. I would have to do it a few times until finally it, it started charging. And then eventually, I was going around to all the different outlets in the house. Plug it in there. Will it start there? And then I thought, why not just bring out the original cord? And I plugged it in and then, ding, everything worked fine. I was trying to work from an improper power source. Jesus is commending his readers for defeating the powers of Satan, but it's not because they were so strong. It was because of the power source that was within them, because that source of power was greater than the devil, than the one who was in the world. So our vision is to see God's power even more evident in the transformation of lives, and it will come through our worship, it will come through our teaching. It will come through the community that we build in our life groups. It will come through each one of you reaching out to others in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you a story of how lives are being transformed. When I came to HCC in 1988, our two daughters, we only had two at the time, they made six kids in the church. And I said, we're having a vacation Bible school every year, no matter what. And we actually had 20 that first year. But I put a lot of work into that program. And every year we would have one, two, three families that would connect with our church as a result of it. But by 1997, I turned this over to our education ministry. And I went off to PEI with my wife and kids for three weeks, forgetting about vacation Bible school and then went to a family church camp at the end of that vacation. And some of the people in that education ministry were there. And they said, Pastor, we can't get enough teachers for vacation Bible school, and we're canceling. And I thought, no, you can't. And then when I got home, I went to one of our neighbors. The year before that, I had invited her kids to attend. They did. And then the family started connecting to the church. And I told her that VBS was canceled. And she said, no, it can't be. And then she started listing off the families that she had invited. So I dug down and I started recruiting, went ahead. And then just three years later, I was able to lead one of those mothers to Christ and baptize her. And then she has been growing and she's part of a group in which five people have come to know Christ. Now, her husband initially didn't respond that well, and it was 15 years later when some things happened in his life, and he started to attend church. And then one of our leaders had a Bible study with him, 
and, and led him to Christ, and he was baptized. And then after that, he was assigned to be discipled by one of our other members who had been discipled by someone else. So, and now this guy is growing. He's not young anymore, but he's growing in his faith, and he's reaching out to others. That's the type of thing that is happening, the transformation. So our city is being made better because we, his church, are impacting the world, starting with our own community. That one of our elders and pastors sessions, we were throwing out the idea of what we wanted our church to be known for. And it was tied to that question of if your church was removed from the neighborhood, would the people in the neighborhood even notice? And Roland Evorohai came up with this. He said, how about envisioning that our church become the place where we're influencing the community so much that the community would come to us asking for our opinion on various things or maybe asking for our help in certain matters? And we prayed about that. And since then, it has been happening. People have been coming to us. The newspaper wanted to talk to someone about how churches were dealing with the shutdowns that we first experienced back in 2020, and they came to us to ask about it and to interview us. So this type of thing is happening. So we want to make a difference. And Matthew 16 says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So it may appear at various times and in various places that the enemy is winning. It might appear as if those opposed to Christianity are winning, but they will not overcome in the long run. They will not win. Most of our life groups have been studying a book called Core 52, written by Mark Moore. And he has written some amazing things that I can't say any better. So I'm going to borrow from him for this next section. So some of you may have already reached this chapter and say, hey, this sounds familiar. But when he talks about the Great Commission, he says that it's actually God's mission. And it's our co-mission that we work along with him. And he says that this is a thing where it's all hands on deck. It needs to be everybody involved. And then he said, I know it's intimidating to share our faith. What if they ask questions that I don't have the answers to? What if my life falls short of the good example to back up my words? What if my friends reject me? What if I lose my job? Those are valid questions that Jesus deals with in that commission. Because in verse 18, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So because of Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, God has made him ruler and judge of the world. And when we enter into his service, we actually carry his authority. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So as ambassadors, our words carry weight. We offer God's grace through Jesus' blood. This isn't a job that is just reserved for a priest or for 
a bishop, but it's the right and responsibility of every Christ follower. And if someone has a question that you can't answer, that does little to affect the declaration that you're able to make. I've got this one guy that comes to my life group, and he has a stumper question every week. Sometimes I've got the answer. Sometimes I have to research a little bit. But he's growing as a result of that. And people will grow if you tell them, look, I just need to talk to someone and, and, and find out the answer here. Then in verse 19, but when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Moore said, if our fear of not having answers keeps us from telling our story, it's because we lack faith in Jesus to keep his word. And then he said, there's no way that he's going to abandon you if you just open your mouth. And I've discovered that over and over again. I go to talk to someone and start a conversation, and you just open your mouth, and God will guide you with the words. Therefore, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Prior to his death, there seems to be no indication of the global aspirations that Jesus had for his church because he and his disciples, they were concentrated solely on Israel. But when you look at it, you realize he always had that in mind. He started with his own people, but his ministry was always outward focused. His healing, his preaching, his commands push us further and further away from the center. And this is in stark contrast to the other religions in the world because they drive their adherence inward. It's deeper devotion, more demanding rituals, higher knowledge in order to seek a higher position in the religious hierarchy. Well, for Christianity, it's about our outward focus through evangelism and through social service. That's what fulfills our deepest obligations in Jesus. And that's why we at HCC look to impact our community. Then picking up in verse 20 again, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now this, at first, is overwhelming, because Mark Moore said, who can possibly remember all of this, let alone obey all the commands of Jesus? Well, Jesus made it easier by actually reducing all the commands of the Old Testament down to two simple instructions, to love God and to love people. So we have it here in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's quite easy to memorize Different story to actually apply that in our lives. It's impossible to perfect. But the role of every Christian is to apply these commands. These two simple instructions to love God and to love people. And when we do that, we will impact our community. Now, in case we start thinking that this is too much, 
that Jesus is asking of us, he adds to his commission by saying, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus will continue to be with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he'll provide us with wisdom. He'll provide us with the power, and he will provide us with the opportunities. So here are our values at HCC. First of all, we passionately pursue God. God wants us to be in relationship with him, and we want to know him in a way that brings enthusiasm and joy to our lives. When we gather, it will be for the purpose of developing a deeper relationship with God and learning to live in response to all that he has done and does for us. So in the Old Testament, we see God saying that he is a jealous God and he doesn't want us to have any other gods in, before us. He wants to be number one. He wants us to passionately pursue him. And in Galatians 5, we see where we get the strength to do this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. So the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit is what produces these virtues in our life and will enable us to passionately pursue God. Make him number one. The second thing that we value is we are gifted to serve. That God has given us talents and spiritual gifts to be used for ministry, both inside the church and in the community. And our members are to be released to do what God has created and gifted them to do. So Romans is a scripture I chose here, chapter 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love how he uses the body analogy because when you consider the parts of the human body, and you notice that one part of the body is shutting down, it affects all the rest of the body. Six years ago, I had colorectal cancer, and that was really affecting the rest of my body until I had surgery, and uh, God had a hand in, in the healing and all of that. And you realize all parts play such a vital role in the body of Christ, because we're all gifted in different ways. And if I don't use my gift, then it's going to negatively affect you. And if you don't use your gift, it's going to negatively affect me and the rest of the body as well. Now, James did an excellent job speaking about this last week. And I remember thinking, whoa, if everybody that's listening responds, we won't have enough service opportunities in the church. But we will find a role for you if you do want to serve. And then we do all things in love. God changes people's lives when we experience the love of Christ through the body of Christ. As a community, we will engage with people's needs and questions with truth and love. 
And 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So basic to John's reasoning that love is essential amongst Christians is the fact that the origin of love is with God. So by sending Jesus, that is how God has demonstrated his love. And there's another way, and it's the key for us. His love is demonstrated by the love that we show. And we are privileged to actually be part of the foundation of all biblical truth, that God is love. So we want these words to powerfully speak of who we are as Halifax Christian Church. And I could go on and on and give you example after example of people displaying that type of love and seeing the transformation that continues to be a part of people's lives. But John 13, 35, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So once again, the distinguishing mark of the Christian is the fact that we love. And then the last value is the fact that we will do all things with excellence. Excellence implies simplicity and effectiveness. It's giving our best effort in whatever we are doing. Excellence honors God and inspires people. It avoids distractions and complexity. The structures in our church will promote growth, both spiritually and numerically, and anything that hinders growth will actually be changed or abandoned. So we've been striving to do this for years now, and there have been some ministries that we stopped because they weren't being effective. And we've been gathering the materials that we need to be able to live stream our worship services, to be able to reach more people. We have gathered materials for our teaching, for our children and our youth programs, and for our life groups. And yes, we have to let some ministries go because they are hindering instead of aiding growth. But the key word in all of this is excellence. It's not perfection. Only Jesus Christ was perfect. So we aren't going to place unreal expectations on people. Every Sunday morning after sound check, the band gathers together with the rest of us that are involved in the service, and we pray for the service that day. And every week those guys will say how, you know, God, we're not expecting to be perfect in everything we do, but we're expecting to give our best effort and looking to you to use that to touch someone here today. The, in Titus chapter 2, Timothy said, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. That's what we're looking for here at HCC. During World War II, the Allied forces drove the Italian forces out of Eritrea in North Africa. And we actually, I mentioned this at the first service, we have a family from Eritrea in our church now. And the departing Italians did their best to delay the advance of the enemy. So they filled huge barges with concrete and then sank them across the entrance to the harbor. 
but they failed to consider the ingenuity of the Allied engineers because those barges were removed in a simple, brilliant maneuver. The Allies requisitioned the huge empty oil tanks that the oil refineries used to store their oil in, and then they sealed them so that they were airtight, and then they floated these tanks down the sea to where the barges were below, and then they just waited for low tide. And when the tide went down, they tied those tanks to the barges, and then they waited for the tide to come up. The tide lifted the barges and floated them away from the entrance to that harbor. Those engineers never could have come up with something on their own to lift such a weight. They couldn't do it themselves. They harnessed the power of the tides. Now, our goal isn't to have a big church. Our goal is to know Jesus and make him known. And we want to harness the power of the Holy Spirit within us so that we will be able to do things that we're never able to do on our own strength. We want to see a trans- even more of a transformation within our church and being able to impact our community in an even greater way. And as a result of that, we will inflict as much damage as possible on the enemy in this battle that we are in with him. I don't know where you stand at right now in regards to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're just kind of investigating and somebody invited you here today and you want to talk more about that. Maybe you just found us online and you've got questions. Please contact us so we can talk to you about what it means to be a part of the family of God. And maybe you're already a baptized believer and not yet have made a decision to become a part of HCC, we encourage you to do that as well. And we're going to leave you here today with a gift. Usually I tell what's inside of something like this, but today I'm not. You'll discover what it is, but it all ties in to our mission, uh, our vision, and our values. So don't take this home and just leave it and forget about it. Please open it up and put it in a prominent place for you to remind yourself of what we are doing here in this church.